Greetings everybody. It is such a blessing for me to come to you today. I am here in Florinopolis in Brazil, uh, Floripa, an island just off the mainland. Just drive with the bridge over to the island. It is such a beautiful place. I've come to preach uh, the grace of God here. It is uh, such an awesome experience to preach here. I'm here with uh, Bishop Flory, which is a uh, influential man and there's got a lot of influence on people in this area and he had a wonderful big conference here and invited me to come and speak and preach radically to all these people leaders that are representing thousands of people uh, that we could speak to and minister to so i'm excited to be here and i'm excited to bring you this message today i trust that this um, this broadcast works well. I am just sitting here in the hotel and I'm doing from my phone, I'm streaming to Facebook and then from the uh, iPad I have here, I'm streaming to YouTube. And uh, yeah, I just uh, hope everything works. It's about an hour before our normal uh, streaming time. So I'm gonna ask you to let your friends know and share this link with people. Uh, today I'm gonna be preaching on uh, it is by grace so that it can be sure and I'm gonna talk about it from Romans chapter 4 now before we get into anything let us just uh, pray oh, before we pray I want to show you unfortunately the guys on Facebook I'm not going to show you oh, that is now obviously the uh, people that want to clean the room let me just go and tell them that uh, I'm busy with a stream here Okay, uh, that don't disturb little card you put on the door doesn't mean anything. So, uh, well, doesn't matter. We just, I want to show you guys where I am. Let me, uh, let me show you. I am, window. Um, this is the view I have. Uh, sorry for those guys on Facebook. You can't see this. Um, this is just on YouTube. Just beautiful here. such an honor to uh, to just enjoy this beautiful part of the um, of the world here and just it's absolutely beautiful okay so um, we're gonna let's pray together and then we get into Romans chapter 4 father I want to thank you so much for your grace and your mercy I want to thank you for the love that you have and not by our works so that the promise can be sure so that what you've dreamt for us can definitely manifest in our lives. So that we don't have to doubt about it, but that we can be sure about it. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for just uh, speaking powerfully through me today. Amen and amen. Um, <clears throat> right, uh, let, us, let us read from Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. It says, now first I want to say, I, I'm not going to go really in depth into this uh, i have not uh, made notes about this i've just been preaching this whole week sharing with people all the time so i was i realized that i'm not preaching this morning only this evening and give me a bit of time to uh, now uh, share with you guys 
So this is just like preaching out of the fist, uh, unprepared, basically. Okay, so this is Romans chapter 4, verse 1. It says, What shall we say then? Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, has found. He's asking a question. He's saying, listen, uh, do you think that Abraham attained what he attained unto by the flesh or by his own power, uh, by obeying the law? And what Paul has got in mind here is circumcision and following after the Ten Commandments and doing all those kind of things. Uh, he says here then in verse 2, For if Abraham were justified by works, he has something to glory about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and was counted unto him for righteousness. That is what he's saying. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So he's saying, listen, thus can Abraham boast a bit about what he got right and what he attained by his own uh, in his life. He says, well, if he wants to boast, he can boast to some friends and tell them, you know, look how good I am and what I've attained. Look at my money and look at all my camels and what I got right and my hundreds of soldiers I have. But he will not be able to boast before God because the scripture says that he believed God. God promised him these things and then God gave him his, those things. You know, if somebody promised you something, and then he fulfills his promise. You cannot go to that person and boast about what you have done. Because you and him both know that it was not by what you have done. It is by what he has done and what he has given you. Uh, it's like if somebody give me a house. And now I go and take the man to the house and tell him and show him, listen man. Look how hard I've worked. Look how I've saved up money. Look how I followed certain principles. And now I've got this house. What do you think about this? I mean, the guy would look at me as if I am on drugs or something. Because, hey, wake up. I gave you this house. It was by my ability that you have a house now. It's by my ability that you are a homeowner. It's by my ability that you are not renting. It's by my ability that you're not on the street. It's by my ability that you are sure that you will have a place to stay tomorrow. It's all by me. And now you want to boast before me by what you've done. Now, that is basically what Paul has got in mind here when he talks about Abraham. He says, um, For what says the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now a very powerful verse, verse 4 here. Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of death. And that's where I want to stand still a little bit today. It says, those that work, the reward uh, is not reckoned of grace, but of works. So uh, when you work for something, the thing you receive is not coming by promise. It's by your own ability. We need to understand that. And then Paul comes and he reckons that uh, bringing forth of a promise or the fulfillment of a promise as grace. So, let us read it again. It says, Now what says the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. To him that works is the reward 
not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Now, what does that mean? And if you read between the lines, you can see what grace actually is. When God makes you a promise, the reason He promises you something is so that He can, by His ability, bring it forth in you, so that it can be definite. It's like if I tell my son, listen, I will take you to the hockey match. The reason why I promise him that is because I know that by his own ability, he, can, he will not make it. He doesn't have a vehicle. He must walk. It is uh, 50 miles away and all this kind of thing. So what do I do? I look at his own ability. I know that he does not have transport there. It is not within his ability. He cannot reach it. Then I promise him. Why do I make him the promise that I will take him? So that I can know that he will surely reach the hockey match and that he will be a partaker in that match. That is what it is all about. So God looked at man. He looked in this case, he looked at Abraham and he saw that Abraham cannot have children. He saw that Abraham in his body is already dead as pertaining to being fruitful and having kids. And he looked at uh, Sarah's womb and he knew that she was barren. She cannot bear children. They have already tried for many years and they couldn't have any children. So God wanted Abraham to have children and to be the father of many nations. Therefore, he made him a promise so that he was obligated, God himself now, to keep the promise so that Abraham would definitely have children. I hope you can see what I'm talking about here. The only way and the only surety that you have, that, uh, that, that we can have, that something will be, some good will come into our lives, is if God promises that he will do it. That's the only way. Because we in ourselves don't have the ability to produce that good as what God have in mind. Now let's read it again. It says, What shall we say then? Did Abraham attain unto everything he attained by his own works? It says no. What does the scripture say? The scripture says, Abraham believed God. That made God the one that was pulling his wagon. That made God the one that was bringing it forth in his life. And then it says here um, that it is, what, the way God works is that he makes it by promise so that the reward can be by grace. So if I come and let's go back to my son again and the, the, the hockey match. He cannot reach that hockey match by his own ability. So now I come and I make him a promise so that as he believes me that he will not engage his own ability which is just going to get him halfway there or not even close to halfway uh, but that it can be by my ability and that ability we talk about my ability to take him from point a to point b is basically what the word grace is it is my influence and my power to make what i promise come true so it says here that God promises us so that it can be by His ability. That is what it's all about. It's by promise 
so that it can be by his ability and not our ability. So when we go and look at what the promise of God is, we can know that whatsoever God has promised, we don't have to try and bring that forth. We can simply believe upon him so that the very thing he can, uh, that he has promised can manifest by his power and not our power. You know how beautiful that is. That is so, so beautiful. Now, let's go on. Um, it says then in verse 4, Now to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So my definition of grace here is God's ability to bring forth what God has promised. Grace is not God not being angry with you. Grace is God's ability to bring forth what God has promised. Isn't that absolutely beautiful? I want it to be by grace. I want it to be by the goodness and the kindness and the love of God. Because then it, it will be sure. For He is a keeper of His promise. Now what has God promised here? What must we believe? We bring this now closer to home. But to Him that works not, but believes on Him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So what must you believe? You must believe that God justifies the ungodly. So what is God's promise? God's promise is that those who cannot do it by their ability, those who come short, those who cannot live holy, those who uh, cannot solve their marital problems, those that say, I don't know how to raise my kids, those that say, I don't have any wisdom on how to have eternal life. If you want to use the old language we've always used, is those that don't know what to do to get to heaven, that don't have enough good works, those that don't know how to perform a righteous life, who always feel, I fall short. He came to them and He promised unto them His life. He says, I promise unto you eternal life, I promise to you that I will conquer sin in your flesh. I promise to you that I will bring forth love and kindness and goodness in your life. I promise to you that I will take you inside your, as a mortal human being, and I will give you eternal life. I will solve all the shortcomings in your flesh, and I will glorify you that you can can bear and have my very glory. That is what he was saying. Now, isn't that... <laughs> that makes me so happy, man. The creator of the heaven and the earth has said, you can never attain unto a holy life. Therefore, I promise you that. Just believe me, so that it can be sure. Because the moment we must take our ability, our faithfulness to pray enough, our faithfulness to go to church enough, our faithfulness to love our neighbor enough, our faithfulness to read the Bible enough and all those kind of things, we are never going to know what it feels like to love our neighbor. We're never going to know what it feels like not to fear when it comes to money. We're never going to know what it feels like to be truly generous. We're never going to know what it feels like to love others more than just our own selves and have, have all the self-interest. We're never going to know what it feels like to see people and others and ourselves as 
truly valuable and the God kind. We're never going to know what it feels like to share in the life of God. That's why God came and says, I do all this by promise. I promise you this. And then he who believes God, the ability of God to fulfill his promise is called grace. So we're preaching the gospel of grace. What is the gospel of grace? The gospel of grace is the ability of God. It is the message, the good news, that attaining unto the life of God is by the power of God and we can just believe. Now Paul takes this a bit further by now quoting uh, David here. He says, even as David describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. So having righteousness without works, say, the righteousness without works means the following. You qualify to have what you qualify to have a perfect holy life, the life of God by God keeping his promise. That's what it means. God keeps his promise, and as God keeps his, his promise, you have that life. You know, yesterday I've been speaking to, um, to Bishop Florian. We were talking about grace. And we were talking about how certain people understand grace. Their definition of grace is, God is not going to punish me. At the moment you've got that shallow definition of grace of, God is not going to punish me, or God is not angry uh, anymore. You are sitting with a message which basically says, Jesus, his death and his resurrection, solved the anger in God's heart, and it was actually gracious towards God. God graced himself not to be angry anymore, which is not the true gospel. The true gospel is not the message of God not being angry. I've got news for you. God is a friendly God. He's not ticked off at things. You know, when his own children... When God warned them and said, don't put your finger into the wall socket called the tree of the knowledge on, of good and evil, for it will electrocute you, it will kill you. And when man did it, God didn't all of a sudden have an anger problem that he had to deal with in a wrath problem in his heart. No. The problem that God had was the moment man put their finger into that socket and they busy dying, his problem was, how am I going to switch the electricity off? How am I going to switch death off? That was what God had in mind. He wanted to switch death off, my friends. And then he said to man, listen, it's like, you know, when I remember um, there was a time when I was shocked. Uh, it, I don't want to say electrocuted because that means you've died, but almost. Uh, there was an electric uh, extension cord that I made up, and I used it for a long time. But I made a mistake on how I assembled it. And the screw that goes through the plug, um, I accidentally, wasn't planned, screwed it through the live wire. And in South Africa, we've got 220 volt. You know, it's double that of the United States. You can easily die of that. And I remember I was working one day, and I was working outside, and I plugged in a grinder and as I plugged this in as I plugged it in it um, it just I can't remember which hand it was my right hand it it just started to shock me and my hand closed around this thing and it was and I fell over and the wire fell with me 
and I was lying on the ground, and as much as what my brain said, leave that thing, it's killing you, I couldn't. I didn't have the power to leave it. And um, I started to make funny noises, uh, 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 you know, my, and my wife was in the house, and she heard something's wrong outside. And she ran and saw me on the ground uh, uh, being electrocuted. And she ran to the main power and switched it off and saved my life. Uh, I was, I don't know for how long, on the power and on the being electrocuted. And then um, even the extension cord almost started to melt with heat on how much power was going through me. And the breaker didn't trip. It was just, I don't know what, it was old house, very old house. It was that house that I lived in where the grass was growing through the walls, you know, the, the systems. It, it was supposed to have been... Um, a broken down new house built, you know, condemned, but it was not, we lived there. And while I was on that electricity, I didn't have the power to end my own death. I didn't. But it was within the power of my wife to end my death. And she went and switched the electricity off. Now, God knows that inside man is nothing that can produce eternal life or holy works or what is good. Therefore, he said, I promise you so that it can be sure. It would be like my wife saying, you know, I'm standing here. Should it happen? Please don't get shocked with electricity. But should it happen? I want to tell you, I am here to switch off the electricity so that I can be sure that you will not die, but that you will live. And that is what I believe God is basically having in his mind when he promises man eternal life and blessing and holiness by him when we believe this truth church the expectation we have is the fruit of the spirit a brand new life by him okay let's read on even as david described the blessedness of the man to, God, to whom god imputes righteousness without work saying blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven so what is grace Grace is God's ability to forgive us of our iniquity. Now, what is iniquity? Iniquity is the ability to harm. Iniquity is the inability inside man to produce eternal life or holiness by himself. So he says here that blessed is the man whose iniquity is forgiven. The word forgive means to separate or to divorce or to move away, or to remove from its origin. So what he's saying is, blessed is the man whom God comes and overcomes that man's weakness. And how does God overcome our weakness? By saying to us, whatever you try to attain by your own works, I promise you that so that it can be sure because I know how to perform it. And you don't. That is what he is saying. Um, he says, blessed is the one whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Now, what does David have in mind here? The covering of sin was, a sacrifice was, was, was given, and then blood was sprinkled. And the sprinkling of that blood was basically saying, the life of that animal is now sprinkled on you and on everything. And it cleanses you now, because the life of the animal, or the life of the lamb, is now on you. And that is what... He's saying, blessed is the man whom 
the, whom a new life is given to. And we know Jesus is the Lamb of God. And our sins are covered, or this is Old Testament language, please don't write, oh well, our sins aren't covered, our sins are removed. I understand that whole thing, <laughs> please. I, um, I'm, what I'm trying to say is what David has in mind and what uh, Paul has in mind here. He says, blessed is the man who does not have to try by his dying life to have something, but to whom God gives life. So God promises us life. He says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. What is the imputation of sin? He says, blessed is the man to whom God says, I'm not going to make sin your problem, but I make your sin my problem, and I will solve the problem for you. The sin, the word sin means not to have a share in. Two words, not, and then the other word, to have what is allotted to you, or to have your destiny. So God had a destiny for us. What was our destiny? Our destiny is what Jesus' destiny was in his resurrection and where he's seated at the right hand of God. When God formed man from the dust of the earth, he says, I've got a destiny for these people. The destiny I have for them is me. God is our destiny. He destined us to be flooded with the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That is our destiny. Now, sin means not to have your destiny. So he says here, blessed is the man to whom God does not impute sin. That means, blessed is the man to whom God says, I don't, uh, I, I'm not putting the problem of you, I, I'm, it's difficult for me in English to say this, it's a bit complicated, but let me say it this way. When we are not having our destiny, God says, I'm not making that your problem. I'm making the problem of seeing you Receiving your destiny of, which is the fullness of me, I'm making that problem mine. Therefore, you will surely and definitely share in what I have for you. God made it by promise, so that it can be by grace, which is not, I'm not looking at your sin, which is, grace is, the divine influence of God to bring forth what he has promised. So how are we going to be partakers of the divine nature? By God promising. That's what Peter says. That through these promises, we might be partakers of the divine nature. Why is it by promise? So that it can be by God's power. Let me put it this way. Why is it by promise? So it can be by the promiser. The one who has promised that it can be by his ability. So, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And then verse 16, therefore, and I'm going to end off with this verse. Therefore, it is our faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. So, why is it by faith? So that it can be by grace, which is God's ability. Why? So that we can be sure that we will have eternal life. Hallelujah. Church, I want to tell you, uh, the grace message is not a message wherein we can now have to be happy 
with a life where we just try by our own power over and over and over again. No, we are a new creation. You know, uh, I think this is an interesting thought to end off with. When we look at the first creation story, Adam and Eve, <clears throat> Adam came, he messed up, and death entered and so forth. Then God came and he uh, brought forth a man, Jesus, and Jesus is called the last Adam. So, as what we behold Adam's creation story, we can we quickly identify with Adam. Well, that is what happened. That's how the fall took place and all those kind of things. And we behold the first Adam. And we behold the first creation story. And we identify with the first creation story. But I've got news for you. There's another creation story. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And that, I also believe, talks about the time of Jesus. Uh, where there was a temple and there was people and there was darkness on the face of the deep uh, and the Bible says but a great light shone in the darkness and we find that uh, the creation story is now basically retold and we see the creation story basically happening again but now in the terms of Jesus and the temple and that time and we find God bringing forth an Adam that Adam is Jesus and do you know what? The first creation story came to an end in the death of Christ. And when Jesus was raised, the last Adam we are beholding now, that is our creation story. So when I look back into my history, I find a successful creation story with an Adam that has not sinned. So when I look at my creation story, my creation story doesn't start in the first Adam. My creation story starts with the second or the last Adam, the second man, who did not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, who did not have sin and death in the world. You know, oh, I see the Facebook here, the, um, there it goes, was out of focus. Um, I, I think Facebook cannot focus. <laughs> well, you know, my creation story starts with Jesus and I don't have an Adam that fell in my history. My Adam, the Adam that represents me, he made it. Therefore, I have passed from death and to life. When I think back into my life, I've got a life story, a success story. And he is the Adam that has dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and even over me. And he is fruitful and he is multiplying in me and I'm sharing in his life. Glory to God. Well, I want to say to you that it is by grace so that it is not by our works so that the promise can be sure to all of us. Glory to God. Well, thank you so much that you guys have uh, have watched. I think I'm going to now use the Facebook and just uh, sh show you guys on Facebook uh, where I am seated. The view from my hotel room. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry, I, I messed it up. I messed the Facebook up. So, uh, well guys, those of you that are on YouTube, I've just uh, switched the Facebook off accidentally. I wanted to show them the view. But thank you that you guys have uh, slotted in. Thank you for the love that you have. Thank you for just the care that you have uh, towards this ministry, your support, your passion for the gospel. And please share this message with friends. God bless.